0: I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Noel Elfant on the line. He's the principal attorney over at General Counsel Practice. Uh, Noel, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Noel, I want to get a little bit more into what you're doing over at General Counsel Practice, but before we do that, let's get into your background a little bit more. Uh, How'd you get started in business?
1: Well, after graduating UCLA uh, and having a roommate there who grew up in Chicago, uh, I decided to attend law school out here in the Midwest, Mm. came to Northwestern uh, University School of Law, and then stayed in Chicago working for one of those big law firms. Uh, for about five years before moving in-house to a large consumer products company. It was a conglomerate known as Fortune Brands. Fortune Brands manufactured consumer products that you've all heard of, Titleist, Jim Beam, Mm -hmm. Moen Faucets, Master Locks, Swingline Staplers. It was a big uh, old-fashioned conglomerate. And after 10 years there, I moved on and eventually became the first general counsel for a publicly traded company known as Zebra Technologies Corporation. Zebra Technologies is a manufacturer and marketer of barcode and RFID technologies. So virtually every ticket that gets scanned at a sporting event is probably Mm -hmm. scanned by a zebra scanner. All the barcodes printed at your neighborhood stores and Walmarts are probably printed on zebra printers. And that's the kind of business they're in. And that company, while I was there, grew from, oh, $350 million to about a, a billion and a half. Since I left, uh, I left there about eight years ago. Since I left, they've continued to grow. They're about a $4.5 billion company now. Uh, and I left there in 2009 and became the North American General Counsel for a Swedish company known as Dlaval. Laval. D. Laval is part of the multi-billion dollar privately held Tetra Laval Group, and D. Laval manufactures dairy farm equipment and also cleaning chemicals for the food processing industry. And then uh, I left that in January of this year and started general counsel practice. And general counsel, yeah,
0: so, Noel, um, and I want to get, we're definitely going to spend a, a good amount of time talking about general counsel, but, so, I, um, before we do that, though, I want to get a little bit more into your background in terms of, there's there's some, and I'll tell you specifically, there's some, you know, younger people listening that just graduated college, or maybe they're a couple of years out of college, or, or, or law school in this case, um, and they're kind of trying to find their way within what where they're going to go with their practice. Um Or working for somebody, or maybe start their own practice um what what kind of advice would you give to that you know that that newly minted attorney, if you will? well, I'll tell you, I always wanted to be an attorney, but as a
1: kid, I grew up watching perry Mason and the the t v shows that dealt with you know <laughs> criminal lawyers yeah, and when I left law school, I ended up going to work as a business lawyer, working for um you know a big corporate and securities yeah. department of a law firm. And um, what I found after, you know, five years or so is that it really wasn't for me. It it, it involved keeping track of all your hours and and there was a lot of pressure to bill and keep up uh, uh, billable hours up to a certain point in order to succeed there. And uh, I had an opportunity about four years into that experience, to be seconded, if you will, or, or loaned uh, to a client where I would work two or three days a week at the client's offices. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I really discovered the fun, if you will, of focusing on one client and one business and not just getting involved in a discrete transaction, but really understanding the business and helping them achieve their goals. And, you know, when I was in law school, there was one class I got a lot out of, and it was first-year contracts. And that that may sound unusual because most people don't particularly like their first-year contracts course. But in my first-year contracts course, I had a professor named Ian McNeil, and he had a theory of contracts called the relational theory of contracts. Basically, Adam he taught that a contract is not so much a a, a um, document that governs a discrete relationship, but it's a construct that should govern a continuing relationship.
0: Hmm. And
1: that if you negotiate a contract thinking of it as a discrete relationship, you you may win some points, but lose lose the the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so you need to focus on building a win-win, if you will, for both parties. And I found that when I moved in-house and started working with a business, that advice really was helpful. And I got a charge out of helping a business not avoid risk but navigate risk. You know, they say a a boat uh, is safest in the harbor, but that's not what a boat is designed to do right and so business has to take risk and a lawyer uh, that helps a business navigate that risk rather than avoid it um is is really worth his weight and and i found that to be a lot more fun than you know constantly trying to bill hours and and deal with very discrete transactions
0: mm well, well you definitely um you definitely make it sound like a lot more fun. I'll tell you that no uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, also a uh, a great transition to get into what you're what you're currently working on um so as principal attorney over at general counsel practice, um what kind of clients are, uh, do you work with, and what kind of problems are you looking to solve?
1: well, Adam, um, before I get to that, let me tell you what I discovered really working as a general counsel for a couple of large companies. Mm-hmm. What what I soon discovered in my 15 years as general counsel is that businesses find themselves very often now between a rock and a hard place when it comes to getting quality legal services. The rock is basically the outside counsel and the law firms. Um, and what I mean by that is law firms today, the big law firms today are hiring first-year associates out of law school at $190,000 a year in salary. And no business is going to pay to have a first-year associate do their legal work because that Mm -hmm. first-year associate has not been trained and that first-year associate is not going to add value to the organization. Mm -hmm. So... um, law firms have to, in order to support those salaries, have to continue to build more and more hours and have to continually uh, charge more and more for their hourly rates. It was rare that I got a bill from an outside counsel that I wasn't somewhat surprised at how high it was and didn't have to negotiate some sort of discount or write-off on, on some of it. And so a lot of businesses are kind of struck with this high cost of, of legal services. You know, back in the 1980s, I think General Electric started responding to the high cost of outside counsel by building an internal legal department. And that was kind of the start of the growth of, of in-house legal departments. It was a way to kind of counter the high cost of outside counsel. And what outside counsel did in response to that is they became more and more specialized and so when you hire an outside counsel, you're hiring a conglomerate of very specialized practices. And as a result, mm-hmm. they have specialized hourly rates, which is by that I mean high hourly rates. And these firms are very good when it comes to a critical piece of litigation, a complex mergers and acquisition project, a cross-border activity that, or highly regulated uh, A matter that you're faced with and those high fees are well worth uh, the money that you spend because they're able to navigate those complex matters well because they're highly specialized in them but as a general counsel you often have a whole slew of legal issues that you're faced with that are kind of undifferentiated and don't really require a specialist and by that I mean things like Oh, your standard merger and acquisition, a small sale or acquisition, a an employment matter that comes up, a intellectual property counseling, a commercial contract that needs negotiating, uh, corporate secretarial matters. These things don't require those high hourly rates that the outside counsel provides. So, uh, and general counsel always looking for ways to to kind of reduce those fees and save money there. That's the rock. Well, what's the hard Mm -hmm. place? Well, the the hard place is that it's becoming more and more expensive to hire a lawyer in your business. A lot Mm -hmm. of your clients may be in businesses, for example, that are growing and are rather sophisticated and are involved in, in multiple markets. And, uh, And yet they still are reluctant to hire an in-house lawyer and and they're reluctant to do that for a couple of reasons. One is lawyers tend to be among the higher paid executives at a a firm. Mm -hmm. And uh, two, when you think about what it takes to hire a lawyer, like any other senior executive, you've got salary, bonus, stock options or stock appreciation rights or other incentives. And then you've got the benefits including health insurance and all those things and then typically when you hire an executive you have a search fee that you got to pay on the front end you probably have severance costs that you have to pay on the back end if you terminate that that employee and so it's it's becoming harder and harder to hire a lawyer in-house to do some of this undifferentiated work that you don't want to pay the outside lawyers to do Mm -hmm. so you're between a rock and a hard place What I also discovered against that backdrop is that there are a lot of seasoned general counsel in their mid-50s who have worked for years as general counsel of growing, sophisticated companies who are no longer working for those companies, but they're not hired by law firms because they don't have a book of business that they could bring to the law firm. Mm -hmm. And they're essentially aged out of their next general counsel position. You'll see that most general counsel are between the ages of, say, 34 and 55. But it's rare that a 55-year-old will be hired as a general counsel. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: what I discovered is this large, underutilized pool of legal talent that's just sitting out there that can be leveraged for the benefit of businesses that find themselves stuck between this rock and the hard place. And that's where I have positioned general counsel practice. And so what general counsel practice does is it provides seasoned general counsel to small and mid-cap businesses that need a general counsel, but perhaps not on a full-time basis. They need a fractional general counsel one that hmm. can come in maybe 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week, one or two days a week. And for a fixed fee that can be budgeted, they know what they're getting and they're incented to call and use them because the meter doesn't run every time they pick up the phone. Uh, they can access that general counsel and get this broad experience, someone who is deep in experience and steeped in business judgment, willing to roll up the sleeves and actually do legal work, they could tap into that resource for a budgeted fixed fee and avoid the high unpredictable invoices that typically flow from an outside counsel and also avoid all the costs and risk associated with hiring a
0: full-time employee in that role. Wow, that makes so much sense um, when, you, when you preface it that way, when you explain the market and what happens, and it's pretty obvious um, that, that, that there would be a, um, um, an excess of talent out there like that, and it makes sense. Um, this is totally um, contrary, I guess you'd say, to the typical model. Um, so no, I man, I love I love that idea and how you came about this and it was very organic and I know that there's uh, quite a few people out there that um, would benefit from it from both sides. So meaning the counsel that are experienced and now undervalued because they don't they haven't worked for they don't have a quote unquote book of business to bring to another um, law firm. So now they either um, even though they have all of this experience, but they've never really had to build that book so to speak. Um, because they're working for a large company, so now um you look at it and they have all this work and experience and oh man I love I love the problem that you've solved and that you're working on with your um with with the company. So what kind of um so what kind of matters, just to put a little bit more um context to it, now that we know the business model and what you're doing, what kind of um matters would you argue would be appropriate for um, you know, business owners that may be listening to this podcast now to call general counsel for?
1: Well, you know, business owners find, especially in a growing business, they find themselves um, tackling a whole broad array of legal issues that typically crop up that are kind of thorns in their side. Um, You know, any growing business is going to have employees, and with employees come often uh, a lot of issues, hiring, firing, training. Um, You've also got, typically with growing businesses, intellectual property um, issues that pop up, you know, for example, who owns intellectual property that an independent contractor develops for the company? How can they make sure they secure and leverage that to advance their product offering and not lose their intellectual property to a competitor uh, or lose it to an employee that leaves the company? You've got a wealth of data privacy issues that are pop- cropping up uh, notably in California soon uh, with with a new privacy law that's going to take effect there. And companies that are expanding outside the U.S. have to deal with the GDPR and other um, data privacy issues. Um, you've got uh, advertising and promotion issues. There are rules governing advertising and uh, sweepstakes and promotions as you try to increase your product offering. A lot of times companies go With those, and then you've got sales and marketing issues, antitrust issues that come up, you got distribution issues, there's a lot of state laws dealing with uh, dealer protection legislation that you have to deal with, and then any growing business deals with real estate issues, leases, um, you know, uh, acquisitions, uh, divestitures, you've got mergers and acquisitions of other businesses as you want to grow, and then your run of the mill. Commercial contracts that come up with suppliers and supply chain and and you know uh, all the all the vendors that you have to deal with as you grow your business almost any of those areas, someone who has served in house for any period of time and in particular general counsel are very um able to deal across that broad array of of issues for you.
0: No, that's great. So if somebody's listening to this and if they want to follow up to learn more about general counsel practice or to connect with you, um, what's the best way for them to do it, Noel? Well, I have a website uh, at www.gcpractice.com.
1: Uh, I could be found uh, by searching my name, Noel, E L F A N T on LinkedIn. And my email address is noel.elfont,
0: at gcpractice dot com. All right, fantastic. Well hey Noel, I just want to thank you for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it and for uh updating us on general counsel practice and the uh the really the innovation that you're you're bringing to um to law in terms of how business owners and how how people can hire you. So that that's awesome. Um, And to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Leave me a a, a review. Do all those great things that we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And uh, Noel, thanks again for coming on the show.